Good evening, everyone. It's great to be here. Thanks, Gemma, for reading the Bible. Uh, Let me pray as we prepare to look at this passage together. Father, thank you that you have blessed us so richly in Jesus and that by your grace you've given us your spirit and word to guide us as we seek to live your way. Please open our ears and hearts now to hear and apply what you have to say to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, Australian Survivor is currently on our screens. I started watching Survivor late last year when one of the students who I work with at Swinburne Christian Union convinced me to give it a go. The student wasn't a Christian, so I leapt at this as a strategic gospel opportunity. Um, And then I accidentally got hooked on the show, so just be warned of that. Um, But the premise of Survivor, I'm sure many of you watch as well, um, is that a group of castaways are put on a remote island, given a bunch of challenges, and then asked to vote one another off until there's just one sole survivor left. So so lovely premise, really. Um, And in order to win this season, they've got to follow three simple instructions. Outwit, outplay, and outlast. Outwit mentally, outplay physically, and outlast socially. The instructions are clear, but very challenging to apply. In tonight's passage, we're given three instructions which are clear, but very challenging to apply. However, Romans 12 is not delivered with the carrot of winning half a million dollars. In Romans chapters 1 to 11, Paul outlines the mercy and blessings of the gospel. And we've seen God's broad-ranging blessings throughout our Summer Blessings series. Tonight, we reach the end of our series and land here. We're called to bless others in the way that we have been blessed in Jesus to act in a way which shows our gratitude to God and our love for one another. Now, let me be very clear from the outset. God has assured us of his love by granting us our righteousness and our salvation in Jesus' death and resurrection alone. And it will only be as we walk alongside one another as Christian family and as the Holy Spirit works in us that we can seek to apply this passage not to earn God's favour, but in response to his grace. So let's dive in. This is the challenging call of Romans 12, 9 to 21. As God has blessed you, be a blessing. Bless others with sincere love. Bless others with your hearts, your hands and your homes. And bless those who hurt you. So firstly, bless others with sincere love. Paul begins, verse 9, Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Don't be a hypocrite. Don't be a fake. Don't pretend to be nice. Love in a way that is true. Love in a way in which your heart aligns with your actions. Love genuinely. We're often good at masking how we really feel about someone when we speak with them face to face and then very quickly tear off the mask in their absence. 17th century French philosopher Blaise Pascal once said, I maintain that if everyone knew what others said about them, there would not be four friends in the world. Sobering words. 
it's easy to feel trapped in our unloving feelings towards others. We find it difficult to love people sincerely. This is why we need the gospel. Jesus has blessed us by loving us and dying for us when we were unlovable. He calls us in response to bless others by loving them sincerely. Growing in our love for Jesus is the first step. When we grow in our love for him, that love will overflow to others. In the area of sin, let us pray that God would convict us of our own sin and soften our hard hearts towards others. On a practical level, let us strive to bless others with genuine love by pausing before speaking about them behind their back. Let us consider if we'd be happy for them to be standing in the room witnessing our conversation. And more importantly, remember that God is already there. Now, just after the command to love, we have a command which might come as a bit of a surprise. A command to hate. What are we to hate? Well, what God hates. In our culture, love is often misunderstood to mean agreeing with and supporting everything that someone thinks or does, regardless of the hurt it might cause for themselves, others, or for their creator. But that's not how God calls us to love. He calls us to operate on the basis of his moral order. We are to hate what he calls evil. And we are to cling to, and the underlying word here has a sense of gluing ourselves inseparably to what he calls good. Our selfishness often gets in the way of us hating what is evil. Perhaps we think we're blessing people by saying yes to everything they ask of us, even when they're using us in a codependent relationship. Or maybe we're afraid to call out our loved ones on their sin. In both cases, we make an idol out of the other person's affection or need for us, and ironically, our own selfishness gets in the way of blessing them. Christian author Rebecca Manley Pippett says, Think of how we feel when we see someone we love ravaged by unwise actions or relationships. Real love, genuine love, sincere love, stands against the deception, the lie, and the sin that destroys And again, we need the gospel to live this out. Jesus has loved us more than we could possibly imagine. Our full acceptance and value is in him. We don't need to desperately hang on to the affection or admiration of others in an ungodly way. The gospel gives us security in the love of Jesus and freedom to bless fellow believers by gently and graciously calling them back to cling to what is good. To his way of life and love. So firstly, with the blessing of the gospel, we can bless others with sincere love, hating what is evil and clinging to what is good. Secondly, verses 10 to 16, with the blessing of the gospel, we're called to bless others with our hearts, our hands and our homes. So firstly, our hearts. Verse 10a, we read, be devoted to one another in love. Now, the underlying words that Paul uses here apply the relationships of blood-related family members to the Christian community. One translation says, love one another deeply as brothers and sisters. 
So I want you to have a look to your right and to your left. Just be brave for a second. No, it's scary. If you and those sitting next to you have put trust in Jesus, you are family, literally for eternity. Now think of the bonds you share with your biological family. The bonds of God's family go much deeper than even these. So love one another as such. Be devoted to one another as such. In verses 11 to 12, Paul makes it clear that we're to be patient in our love. He says, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Now, these verses are embedded in instructions about Christian relationships. So the encouragement seems to be that when we're faced with difficulties and it's tempting to let zeal, spiritual fervor, hope, patience and faithful prayer lapse, let us bless our brothers and sisters by being models to keep giving our hearts to one another and to our God. In verse 15, we find further exhortation to bless with our hearts. We read, rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. It's challenging to enter the griefs and joys of someone else. In doing so, we may have to recall our own sorrows or earnestly fight pangs of jealousy. It costs something to seek to feel what someone else is feeling and to authentically sit with them in that. It takes sacrifice. Once again, this is only possible with the gospel. As Christians, in the midst of suffering, we know the reality of the broken world, the present work of the Holy Spirit, and the hope of Jesus' future return. So within this framework, we can bless others by authentically sitting with them in their grief without having to belittle or deny it. Likewise, we can enter the joys of others without being torn apart by jealousy. Just to give you one example, take someone who's single and desperately wants to be married. They'll all likely still be challenging. When their friend tells them they're getting married, that person can genuinely rejoice. Why? Because God's story tells us that all earthly marriages are a temporary signpost to the ultimate marriage on offer for all in Jesus. With him as your main joy, you're freed to release your own grasp on earthly joys and to bless others by genuinely rejoicing with them. So with the blessing of the gospel, we're called to bless others with our hearts and next with our hands. Blessing takes action. In verse 10b, Paul says, Honour one another above yourselves. The ESV translates this, Outdo one another in showing honour. We're called to put others first. The Bible tells us that every single person is created in the image of God, which means that they are infinitely precious and valuable and should be honoured as such. Verse 13 encourages us to share with the Lord's people who are in need. We're to open our hands by lovingly giving people of our time, our money, our resources, and our energy. In verse 16, Paul says, Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. 
Real love is not self-centered. It doesn't concentrate on our own image, position, and needs, but on the needs of others. And again, it takes sacrifice. And again, we need the gospel to respond. The gospel blesses us with the reality that we are lost sinners who have been wholly justified and loved by God himself. We don't need to convince ourselves or anyone else of our value by associating with certain people. A couple of weeks ago, I was chatting to a guy on a train who had partied and mingled with the likes of Robin Williams, the Hemsworth brothers, and numerous reality TV celebrities. As Christians, our worth is not marked by those who we spend our time with. We don't have to hang out with certain people at school or be members of a particular club at uni or have particular people as housemates or be in with certain people at work or sit in a particular seat at church um, or be in a growth group with particular people uh, to earn our value. The one we love most frees us so that we can love the outsider, the difficult and the awkward. We've been blessed by God's acceptance of us. So we're able to honour and bless all by coming alongside those who are marginalised, whether that be by race, class or vocation. So with the blessing of the gospel, we're called to bless others with our hearts, our hands and our homes. Verse 13 spurs us on to practice hospitality. Now the word hospitality means love of strangers. Statistics tell us that on average, Australians only have two people in their homes per year who are not family. So let's be countercultural as the church. How can you, in the coming weeks, open your homes to those who you not only call family, but those who you see as strangers as well? As Christian author Rosaria Butterfield says, the gospel comes with a house key. This, Paul tells us, is what we are to strive for and seek after. It takes sacrifice. But the gospel makes it possible. God has flung open the doors of his home and welcomed us. So let's be spurred on by this to bless others in the same way. Now, throughout this passage, there's a call for Christians to love fellow Christians and non-Christians in the footsteps of Jesus himself. Throughout church history, followers of Jesus who have been so richly blessed by the gospel have blessed the world by starting hospitals, schools, universities, and numerous charitable organizations. So how can we here at St. Alfred's continue to give our time, our money, our resources, and our energy to bless one another and our community? Just to give you one example... For our milestone 50th anniversary at St. Alves, rather than just acknowledging this internally, we wanted to celebrate God's blessings to us by blessing the community. So some people from St. Alves visited and brought morning tea to the Ngunnawading Police, the Box Hill SES, and the oncology unit at Box Hill Hospital, just to bless them and to say thank you for their work. Some people uh, went down to Old Orchard Primary School and built veggie gardens. And we also supported ministries like uh, Dinner Tonight down the road at New Hope Baptist Church, which provided uh, meals for those who needed them most, and Link, which is another organisation which helps those in the community. 
here at Essex 6, it's been wonderful to see the work of Blackburn drop-in. Uh, I was here on Friday afternoon and to see all the teenagers hanging around was so encouraging. There's numerous other things that happen. They're just a couple of examples. There's so many ways that we can bless our community with the way that we've been blessed by the gospel. But surely all this sacrificial blessing with our hearts, our hands and our homes is damaging. In our culture, we're told to look after ourselves and that making a lot of sacrifices is unhealthy. But Romans 12 has a different message. Verse 1 of the chapter says, Offer yourselves as a living sacrifice, just as Jesus sacrificed his life for us. If the way that we love other people comes at a cost to us, we've started to understand what it is to love like Jesus. But in all this, let's recall what Christian author Rebecca McLaughlin says, Christians are certainly called to sacrifice in response to Christ, but we are primarily called to accept his sacrifice for us. So, with the blessing of the gospel, we're called to bless others with sincere love, to bless with our hearts, our hands and our homes. And thirdly, and arguably most radically, to bless those who hurt us, verses 14 and 17 to 21. Here we find the uniquely Christian and extremely challenging action of loving your enemy. Verses 17 to 21 are summarised well by their opening and closing statements. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Evil does not defeat evil. Good defeats evil. The only way to defeat evil is to forgive and love people. The instruction of verse 17b, be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone, has two benefits. It hopefully protects us from lingering feelings of hatred or pride, and it encourages a softening in the heart of the one who has hurt us. Verse 20 says, our good deeds and words could heap burning coals on their head, meaning that repentance may occur. So we're called to forgive, but how? Well, the passage gives us four practical steps. Number one, don't avoid the person who has hurt you. Verse 18, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Now, occasionally, avoiding someone is the right course of action. Someone may be so dangerous that having anything to do with them would invite them to sin. But in many cases, our own actions will be sinful. So a helpful question to ask ourselves is, am I avoiding this person as some form of payback or as a measured response aimed at blessing them in some way? we're called to bless with our words verse 14 bless those who persecute you bless and do not curse so don't gossip about people behind their back speak respectfully to them and find thoughtful ways to wish them well number three bless them with your actions verse 20 if your enemy is hungry feed them if they are thirsty give them something to drink Bless the person who has hurt you by doing thoughtful things for them. And number four, 
resist the urge to take revenge. Verse 19, do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. We often want to make people pay for what they've done to us. But interestingly, even psychological scientists have found that instead of quenching hostility, revenge prolongs the unpleasantness of the original offence. Instead of delivering justice, revenge often only creates a cycle of retaliation. And this makes complete sense because evil can't defeat evil. Only good and ultimately our good God can do that. The gospel tells us that there's a perfect judge who can be trusted to make all things right. And the cross shows us how seriously God takes sin. And Jesus gives us an example of how to forgive and entrust judgment to God, even in the worst of circumstances. 1 Peter 2.23 says, When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. Jesus went to the cross for us because it was the Father's will. And while on the cross, uttered those profound words, Father, forgive them. The gospel promises us justice and reminds us that we're not the ones to dole it out. The gospel frees us and allows us to bless others who hurt us by trusting God to judge justly and not taking things into our own hands. The call of Romans 12, 9 to 21 is easy to understand, but hard to apply. As God has blessed you, be a blessing. Bless with sincere love. Bless with your hearts, your hands and your homes. And bless those who hurt you. When the castaways arrive on Survivor Island and are given their three instructions to outwit, outplay and outlast, they have two basic resources at their disposal, a flint and a machete. We can only seek to apply the challenging instructions of Romans 12 with the abundance of resources at our disposal. The Holy Spirit, Christian family, and the assurance of God's love for us in Jesus. So number one, the Holy Spirit. God himself lives in us and enables us to produce the fruit of his spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. He equips us to bless others with sincere, true, and genuine love. He helps us to give our hearts with joy, patience and faithfulness as we walk alongside others through their ups and downs. To show goodness with our hands by giving our time, money, resources and energy and kindness with our homes in opening them to strangers. He empowers us to demonstrate peace by not avoiding those who hurt us. Gentleness to these people with our words and actions and self-control and resisting the urge to take revenge. The Spirit will also let us know when we're swerving away from blessing others and point us back to God's way. So let's pray that God would be growing the fruits of the Spirit in our lives and that these may continue to overflow as a blessing to others. Number two, Christian family. 
our God knows that we can't bless others alone. He knows that we need people close enough who can see under the mask and encourage us toward genuine love. We need people with whom we can shed tears of sorrow and laugh with joy. We need people with whom we can openly share our calendars and bank statements and spur one another on toward giving our time, money, resources and energy. We need people with whom we can practice opening our homes. We need people who know when we're harbouring resentment and link arms with us in showing gentleness to those who have hurt us. Our God knows that we need people to bless, be blessed by and bless alongside enter Christian family. Blessing as we have been blessed is a team effort. The warning is clear. Romans 12 is addressed to the church collectively. Don't try responding alone. Number three, the assurance of God's love for us in Jesus. Jesus lived the perfect life of blessing that we never could. He loved people sincerely, enough to spur them on toward the good and steer them away from evil. He blessed them with his heart, his hands, and his home. He opened his heart in perfect love, his hands in sacrificial death, and his home so that we may live with him forever. Finally, he offers forgiveness to all who put their trust in him. When our trust is firmly placed in Jesus, nothing we do or do not do in response to Romans 12 can change the fact that he loves us. So let's remember that when we set out to bless others, we're not drawing from a dry well of needing to earn God's love, but rather from the overflowing fountain of his love for us. God has given us everything we need to apply the challenging words of Romans 12. The Holy Spirit, Christian family, And most importantly, the assurance of his love for us in Jesus. So as God has blessed us, let us go and be a blessing. Let me pray. Father, we thank you for your immeasurable blessings to us, most of all in the Lord Jesus. Thank you that your love for us is secure. You live in us by your spirit and you gift us with one another. Help us to bless all people richly, whoever they are, as a response to your blessing for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.